0: or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclive.org and click on the giving tab and choose online campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, welcome to Emmanuel. If you are joining us locally here, somewhere in central Indiana or across the country in a different state, or across the world in another country, we want to welcome you. My name is Danny. I'm the lead pastor here of Emanuel Church. And right now we are in a series called Disrupted. And the reason we call the series Disrupted is because that's exactly what's going on in our lives today. Our lives have been disrupted right now because of everything that's going on with the coronavirus, COVID-19 all over the world. The word disrupted actually means to destroy the normal continuance, of something. And so essentially the normal continuance of our work schedule, our school schedules, if you're a student, uh, if we're moms or dads, we've got kids at home trying to educate them and work at the same time. All of our normal patterns and rhythms have been disrupted. There's some of you out there that you're actually working more than you've ever worked before in your entire life. And then there's many of us out there that we're working less than we've ever worked before. There's some of us out there that have lost our jobs. Some of us have lost our loved ones. Some of us have sick family members. In fact, some of us right now are watching and you have COVID-19 and you're currently sick yourself. Our world has been turned upside down. It has been disrupted. And here's why we're doing this series. It is really difficult to know how to navigate life when life gets as disrupted as it is right now. I mean, there's actually a bunch of science behind this. We become disillusioned, disoriented. We become very emotional. We have things like fear and worry and anxiety kind of invade our lives. Some of us have tremendous amounts of anger and frustration over the situation. And when all of those things hit us, it's really difficult to be able to focus, to know what to do, to get going in your day. And it's just really hard to navigate the, the these uncharted waters that we're in. I was on a, a Zoom call this week uh, with a man named uh, Henry Cloud, Dr. Henry Cloud. He's, a, he's an author probably most well known for his book on, uh, called Boundaries. He's written many other books and I, was, I happened to be on this call with a bunch of other pastors. He was just trying to coach us on how to navigate uh, leadership in, in our current uh, situation. One of the things he said about disruption and, and chaos and is that the, the way the brain responds is so interesting. We, we lose track of all of the, the patterns and the maps that we have in our head for life. And we actually our IQ actually drops on average about 30 points. Essentially, what he's saying is we're not very smart when chaos hits. And we're not at our best as human beings uh, when, when our lives are turned upside down. And you're probably like, man, that's why I've not been able to make such good decisions in the last couple of weeks. Or I'm so frazzled and so frustrated. That is absolutely normal. That's why we're doing this series. We want to help you to navigate these waters during this time. In week number one, we talked about Joseph. Joseph's life was totally disrupted. He was sold into slavery. He was falsely accused of rape. We said, man, what did he choose to do? He chose to seek God. God in the midst of the disruption, that enabled him to have hope and to be able to focus on the task at hand. Then, last week was Easter. We talked about how Jesus disrupted the trajectory of humanity. He came into this world, he died on a cross, he rose again, conquering the power of sin and death. He reversed the curse that was upon creation and upon humanity. The resurrection proved that death would not have the final say. If you missed last week, go back and watch it, it will give you all kinds of hope. There will one day be a total restoration. Jesus will make all things new. And so today, today what I want to do is continue the conversation about this idea of having our lives disrupted. I want to look today at a man's life, a story of a man named Job in the Bible, famous story in the Bible, probably the greatest story of suffering or having your life disrupted in the entire Bible Job is just, uh, this is how the story kind of plays out. He's just a guy who loves God. He's a man of integrity. He avoids evil. And the Bible says that he's tremendously blessed. He's got seven sons. He's got three daughters. He's got 500 yoke of oxen. He's got 500 donkeys, You know, 3,000 camels, 7,000 sheep. The Bible says he's one of the most wealthy people in all the land. And he's just living his life, going through his days. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, his life is completely flipped upside down. You talk about a disruption. In one day, he loses everything except for his wife, which he may have argued that later on, he may, maybe he should have lost her, but he loses all of his sheep, all of his camels, all of his donkeys, all seven of his sons die, all three of his daughters perish in one day. You talk about suffering, tremendous Now, there are some people that believe that the book of Job does not seek to answer the question of why. God allows suffering in our our lives, or it doesn't seek to to provide any clarity to that question. I happen to disagree. I believe the story of Job shows us that God wants to grow our faith. In your notes, I wrote it like this. God allows disruptions to take our faith, to grow our faith, to take it to the next stage, to deepen our faith. Let's let's talk about how the story unfolds. God and Satan are in heaven. Satan, the word Satan, it's the Hebrew word, as the, it stands for accuser. So Satan's job in heaven is to accuse God's people on earth. So they're having a conversation in heaven. And God says to, to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? He's blameless. He's a man of integrity. He loves me. He turns away from evil. And you know what Satan's response is? Satan says, oh, you know, why, you know why Job loves you so much? You know why he, he's so dedicated to you? It's because you take care of him. He's healthy. Look, he's blessed. He's rich. He's got money. That's the only reason that he loves you. But if you would just touch his life, look what it says in verse 11. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Satan says the only reason he loves you is because you take care of him. God says, oh, game on. Okay. Okay. If that's the way you put it, let's, 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 let's see what happens. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with him, with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. And so Satan goes on this rampage and you know, takes everything away from Job. Why does he do this? What's the point of it? disruptions are actually designed to deepen our faith. Here's how it works with you and I. There are different stages of faith. There's essentially three stages of faith. If you want to think about it in terms of a pyramid, there's deal-making faith, that's at the bottom of the pyramid. Then above that, and I'll explain what each one of these means. Then above that is this idea of trusting faith. And then above that, at the top of the pyramid, is this thing called complete faith. Faith. Now, why would God allow this to happen to Job? This incredible disruption, this this pain, this suffering, this loss of his children, this loss of everything he owns. God wants to move Job from deal-making faith to trusting faith up to complete faith. Now, how do we know that Job started at the bottom at deal-making faith? Well, let me answer this question first. What is deal-making faith? Deal-making faith is essentially this concept, this approach to God that says, if I do right, you'll bless me. If I do wrong, I understand, God, that you'll curse me. It's just basically a deal. This is where Job is. How do we know Job has made a deal with God? Well, it's revealed in chapter one. Job's sons and daughters, they really like to have a good time. And sometimes they would throw these parties for their friends and themselves. And, and sometimes they would last for days. And this really concerned Job. He felt like, man, this might be breaking the deal. God might revert, re, uh, remove his protection, uh, his blessing from my life if my kids sin. So look what it says in verse five. When these celebrations ended, sometimes after, uh, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children. How would he do that? Watch this. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. One sheep for every kid. That's 10 sheep that he would kill for, as a burnt offering for his kids' sins. This is what he was thinking. For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's, watch this, regular practice. Job's mentality was simple. My kids might have turned from God. They might have just cursed him in their hearts. They might have just gone off the deep end. I have to make sure that we keep this deal. So let me go make an offering. Job did this all the time for himself and for his children. What is this? This is a deal. This is a deal-making faith. That God, if I do right, you'll bless me. If I do wrong, you'll curse me. Let me make sure I keep this deal going. Now, let me just say this. This is not a terrible place to be. This is still faith. This deal-making faith is better than having no faith at all. It's kind of, if you compare it to like video games, it's kind of like Madden. I'm not a big Madden player, but I know there are different levels. It's kind of like the rookie level. Then you move, then you have the pro level, then the all pro level, then the all Madden level, right? Well, this is kind of the, this deal-making faith is kind of the rookie faith. It's where you enter into the game. The only problem with, actually there are several problems with deal-making faith. Let me talk about a few of them. The first one is you're gonna blow the deal. <laughs> it's frustrating because you will sin. I will sin. We will break the rules. And not only are we gonna do it once or twice, we're gonna do it a lot. And so if we stay in this deal-making phase of faith with God, this, this stage of faith, guess what? We're gonna live constant, in constant fear. Oh my gosh, you know, did, did I break the deal? Is God gonna remove his favor from my life? Am I gonna be cursed now? Like what's gonna happen? And, and if you stay there too long guess what ends up happening? You get frustrated, you get defeated, you you become exhausted. You might even walk away from church or God or walk away from faith altogether because you cannot keep your end of the deal and you constantly live in fear and it's exhausting. So we gotta move out of this first stage of deal-making faith for that reason, but not only for that reason. Sometimes God allows pain into our lives for another purpose, for a higher purpose. It's not because you broke the rules. It's not because you didn't keep your end of the deal. It's because God might wanna do something different in your life and he's gonna use pain to do it. This is the story of Lazarus. Mary and Martha are so distraught, their brother has died. They said to Jesus when he showed up, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But Jesus said, listen, he had to die in order to show the glory of God so that people would believe. Sometimes there's a higher purpose to pain and it's not because you broke broke the rules or broke the deal. But if we stay in the deal-making faith, we never see those other reasons. And we just become frustrated and confused and disillusioned with God and even angry and sometimes even bitter towards God. And I would even say, there's some of you watching today that you have bitterness towards God because you're at this deal-making level of faith and, 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 and things have happened and you feel like you've been cursed and it's wrong. And you can't see any other purpose for it. And so you're angry with him because you feel like he hasn't held up his, his end of the bargain. You know why else we need to move out of this deal-making faith, this this stage of faith? It's because quite literally, evil people prosper. It's a thing. Like people that lie, cheat, and steal, and do wrong, and hurt others, and that's the goal of their life. They have money, they have health, they have big homes, they, get, they, they can do whatever they want, and, and they're thriving. And it doesn't make sense at the deal level, the deal-making level of faith. It's like, wait a second, here I am. I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to be a righteous person and be a good guy, a good girl, whatever. And I've got pain and suffering and my family member has cancer and this one over here died. And, but, but look at him, look at her. They're doing the wrong thing, but they're so blessed. Listen, if you stay at the deal-making level, stage of faith that's confusing it's frustrating it's exasperating this is where the psalmist was in psalm 73 he's looking around at evil people prospering then he looks at his own life and he's got pain everywhere and he's trying to do the right thing listen to his heart in psalm 73 did i keep my heart pure for nothing did i keep myself innocent for no reason why is he saying that the reason he's saying that it's just like this isn't paying off I'm trying to be godly. I'm trying to be a good person. These these people over here are clearly evil. They're prospering and I feel cursed. What's the point? Do you see the reason why we need to move out of the deal making stage? Even though it's not terrible. It's better than no faith at all. We cannot stay there. And so Job is at stage one. And God wants to move him. How's he gonna move him? He's gonna disrupt that. He's gonna thwart the deal. He's gonna say no deal. And he's gonna cause pain and hardship in our lives sometimes to break us out of this first stage of faith. He wants to take us to the second stage. And that second stage in your pyramid is trusting God. We gotta move to the second stage of trusting in God. God will use disruptions. I wrote it like this in your notes. Disruptions will actually move us to put, to actually trust God. You see, in stage one, the focus is really on yourself. If I do right, God will bless me. If I do wrong, God will curse me. God is basically responding to you. Your faith is really, and I know it's hard to say this, and it may be hard to even hear this, but your faith is really in yourself. Am I doing my part? Did I keep my end of the deal? Because if I do, God will bless me. If I don't, God will curse me. The focus is on you. Well, this second level of faith, you move away from focusing on yourself towards God. God breaks the deal in stage one. He says the deal is off. You're, you're not gonna have pain. You don't have you know, difficulty or disruption in your life because you broke the rules. Or you didn't keep the end of the deal. No, no, no. I love you, but there's still gonna be pain in your life. And there's another purpose for it. In this second level of faith, the focus moves away from you to God. It's like, God, I know in my heart, I didn't curse you. I know in my heart, I didn't break the rules. I know there's nothing inside of me that intentionally wants to do evil. So there must be some other reason for this. I don't know what it is, but I'm gonna put my trust in you because I believe that you are good and I believe that you're sovereign. I believe you have a plan. I believe that you care for me. I don't understand it. I don't have all the answers, but I'm gonna trust in you. This is where Job got to in level two of trusting God. Job's friends, if you know the story of Job, if you've read it, he's got these three friends and they come at him from level one, the deal-making faith. They're like, Job, man, the reason that God would allow something like this to happen to somebody is because they sinned. Like you've clearly sinned, you're arrogant, you're prideful, you've done this, you've done, all you need to do is repent, repair the deal and God will bless you again. And so they keep coming at him for three different cycles. His friends come at him and they make this simple argument, but Job knows it's not true. He knows in his heart, that he hasn't sinned. He knows that in a sense he's, he's innocent. And so guess what? In his mind, the deal is off, it's broken. God is not allowing this to happen to me because I've done something wrong. He says to his wife, shall we take just the good from God and not the evil? He says, naked I came into this world. Naked I'm going to leave this world. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Listen to what Job says in Job chapter 13, verse 15. Though he slay me, seven sons, three daughters, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 oxen, 500 donkeys. He lost his physical health. He was covered from head to toe in boils. He's under physical pain, physical duress. He's lost everything. Though God slays me, yet will I trust in him. Level two is this concept of God, the focus is not on me anymore. My life is a mess. There's a huge disruption. The focus is now on you. I don't have all the answers. I don't know what's going on, but I trust in you. This is where we need to move. This is where God took Job away from deal-making faith towards this trusting faith. Now, it might seem like, man, that's it. That's, what, that's good. As If I'm there, like, boy, if I could ever get there, that'd be awesome. Like, I'd be set. Isn't that the end? No, there's actually, there's actually one more level up from that. And the reason we need to move up to this idea of complete faith, we'll talk about that in just a second, is because if we stay in level two, we're gonna, we're gonna be complaining all the time. Even though in level two there's this concept that okay God I trust you there's still this 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 zone or this this part of us that does not like what's going on, and so we moan and we complain and we groan and when you read the book of Job and it's a long book you should read it, you see that Job in the mix of all these conversations that he's having with his friends he's complaining and he's even making accusations against God and he's he's falling into depression and he's cursing his birthday in fact let me. Let me read you one section here in Job chapter 3 where Job is literally cursing the day he was born. Listen to these words in Job chapter 3. He says, let the day of my birth be erased and the night I was conceived. Let that day be turned to darkness. Let it let it be lost even to God on high and let no light shine on it. Let the darkness and utter gloom claim that day for its own. Let a black cloud overshadow it and let darkness terrify it. Let the night be blotted off the calendar. Never again to be counted among the days of the year. Never again to appear ap- among the months. Let that night be childless, he says. Let it have no joy. He's talking about his birthday, Let those who are experts at cursing, whose cursing could rouse Leviathan, curse that day. Let its morning stars remain dark. Let it it hope for light, but only in vain. May it never see the morning light. Curse that day for failing to shut my mother's womb, for letting me be born to see all of this trouble. And then in verse 11, he says this, why wasn't I born dead? Why didn't I die as I came out from the womb? He's saying all this, and at the same time, he just said, shall we receive from God only good and not evil? Naked I came into the world, naked I'm gonna... He's saying all this while he's at level two. He's trusting God. See, I wrote it like this in in, in your notes. Like, level two says we haven't lost our faith. Like, we believe in God and we trust in him, but but we don't like what God has allowed. Have Have you been there? Are you there right now? You're a Christ follower, you trust in God, you believe in God, but man, you sure don't like this whole situation with stay at home orders and, and, and how are we going to pay the mortgage and someone lost their job and someone's sick. And we're just like, man, what's going on? We don't agree, maybe, with, or we disagree with the leadership, the government leadership, and the decisions they're making. We're complaining, we're moaning, we're groaning. It's not that we don't have faith, it's just that our faith is incomplete, our faith is still immature it's not at the highest level yet. We need to move to the next level and the next level of faith is something called complete faith. If we're looking at our pyramid, we've got deal-making faith, we've got trusting faith, we need to move to this concept of complete faith. Complete faith is a faith where we put all of the results, all of our lives in God's hands all of the outcomes and we say it is going to be okay. Let me explain, let me explain. Job is having these conversations with his friends. They're, they're in level one deal-making. Man, turn from your sin, God will restore you, blah, blah, blah. He knows it's not true. He moves from there, he goes to trusting faith. God will allows disruptions in his life to take him to this next level. In fact, that's the way I wrote it in your note. Disruptions will, will actually move us to this complete faith. And so now he's having these conversations and, and, and he knows he's innocent. He knows it's not because of his sin, but he's so frustrated and he's complaining and he's moaning and he's groaning. And so he's making accusations about God. He's essentially saying, and you can read it, he's saying that God is unjust. He's the source of my pain. What's he doing? Why is he doing this? He shouldn't be doing this. And he's essentially telling God that he's running his universe in the wrong way. He's essentially saying to God, you are incompetent. Now he's trusting him, but man, he is not liking this. And so he goes on and on and on and he complains and he makes accusations. Finally, finally, after 37 chapters of this conversation, accusations and moaning and groaning, God finally speaks up. He says, Job, it's time for me to talk. You need to brace yourself. I'm going to ask you some questions and you need to answer. And from chapter 38 all the way to chapter 42, God peppers Job with 77 questions. And he makes all kinds of statements. And the 77 questions basically fall into three different categories. Job, can you comprehend creation? Were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? Were you there where I put the stars in the sky? Can you make the sun rise? Can you make it set? Do you know where light comes from? Can you comprehend my, my, my creation? The second set of questions falls into the category of care. Can you care for what I've created? The animals and the lions and the deer? Can, do you know anything about how they mate, how they feed? Do you, Job, do you, can you care for everything that I've created in the universe? And then the third category, Job, can you control it? Like the Leviathan and, and, the, and this, what, the mammoth that he made and all these different animals. Can you control the animals that I've created? All three series of questions, Job has not an answer. Not one response. Finally, in chapter 42, this is, this is Job's response to God. I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You ask, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. I was the one talking about things, listen, that I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. And then he confesses his sin. Listen to what he says. I had only heard about you before, but now I've seen you with my own eyes, and I turn from my sin. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes and show my repentance. What's happening here? God does not answer any of Job's questions, God refuses to be put on trial. He just asks a series of his own questions. He takes Job on a virtual tour of all of his creation and he asks him if he can take care of it, control it, and comprehend it. Job says, no, I can't. I I was talking about things I knew nothing about. what's What's the concept? What's the point? What is God trying to drive home here to Job? He's trying to say, Job, your perspective on life and justice, and what I should do, and how life works is so very limited. Your insight, your knowledge of the way things are, oh, it's so short, it's so small. And your friends, your, your three buddies, it's even smaller. They were so wrong, you didn't break the deal, you, you didn't sin here. You do not have enough knowledge, Job. You do not have enough experience about the universe and the way I work and the way I do things to make an accusation against me. And Job's like, I get it. I was talking about things I didn't understand. I was short-sighted. My knowledge is, is limited. You know everything and you can do whatever you want. Watch this. All of the outcomes are in your hand. I wrote it like this in your notes. A complete faith puts all of the outcomes in God's hands. And I could have added this and says to God, it's okay. No more complaining, no more accusations, no more saying, why me? Why has this happened? Why is the world this way? I'm not going to say that one more time. And that's the difference between trusting faith and complete faith. All complaining, all questioning is gone. It's like, God, you're God. You do whatever you want. My perceptions, my understanding is limited. I don't have all the knowledge of how the universe works or how you work. You do whatever you want, no one can stop you. I was talking about things I didn't understand. Complete faith. It's the faith of the psalmist in Psalm 23, verse one. Famous passage. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What's that mean, I shall not want? It means this, I have God, he's my shepherd, he's my protector, he's my guide, he's right there. I have everything that I need. I may not have all the things that I want, but I have everything that I need. Why? Because I have God. This is complete faith. I'm satisfied in God alone. He's my shepherd. I have everything that I need. Now, does that mean that you don't have desires? Desires for your loved ones to heal or desires for this coronavirus to go away? Desires for the, for the economy to get, to get back to work and for people to go back to their jobs? Does that mean that we don't have uh, desires? No, we have Desires. And we're to make those desires known to God. He wants to hear them. But we pray about these things. We say, God, could you heal this person? Or will you help this situation? Or will you help the president make good decisions? Or the governor? Whoever, right? Will you help this situation to go in a better way? But if the answer is no, it's okay. Why? Because I have you and I trust you. And you're in control. And you're sovereign. And you're good. That is complete faith it's not a lack of desire it's not a lack of wanting things to go a certain way it's just if they don't that's okay that's a tough place to be that is an incredibly mature faith as your pastor i would say to you if we were to look at this pyramid if we were to look at it again at this top peak there are days where i spend time here there are many more days where i spend time here to be honest it's like God, I, I, I love you, I trust you, but man, I'm frustrated. I wish things would have gone a different way. There are some days I'm back to here. It's like, come on, here I am. I'm a pastor, I'm trying to do right. And, and uh, could you at least send some more favor my way? Have you noticed the way I live? You know, like what gives? And then I bounce back up here and then I try to go, no one's gonna get this perfect, but here's what's gonna happen. Here's what's gonna happen. God will use disruptions to move you to grow you in stages to a deeper, stronger faith. That's the context of our days. Can you see that? I see, when I see that, I'm like, okay, I can deal with difficulty much better because I know God is using difficulty. He's using disruptions to deepen my faith, to get me to that spot where Job was, where it's like, hey, you do whatever you want. Like, no one can stop your hand. You are sovereign. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. Now, what's interesting about this story, if you've read the book of Job, you know how it ends. Because Job gets to this spot where he's not talking anymore, no more complaining, no more accusations to God. God blesses him. He gives him a double portion of sheep. He ends up with 14,000 sheep. He ends up with with 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 donkeys. He's twice as rich as he was when the story began. On top of that, God gave him back seven more sons and three more daughters. He gets 10 children back. He's entirely blessed. What does this mean? What are we to take from this, the the way the story ends, the way the story lands? Is that gonna happen to us? We're gonna receive twice as much money or twice the blessing? Not necessarily, at least not in that way. Maybe, maybe. In that way. But there's no guarantee of that. What I can tell you. Is that you will be blessed. The way Psalm 23 ends. Starts by saying the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Do you know the way that it ends? A lot of us don't focus on the last verse of Psalm 23. It says. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness. And mercy shall follow you, shall follow me, as we trust him. What does that look like? Well, it might look like physical blessings. It might look like physical health. It might look like deep levels of joy that are not connected in any way to physical, material things. It might look like an inner peace that surpasses all understanding people won't even know why you have peace because there's all kinds of problems and difficulties in your life and there you are with tranquility of soul. Where's that coming from? Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I trust him. I have this thing called complete faith in God. Here's the question I want to leave with you today. Will you allow this disruption to grow your faith? And it's a choice. Pain, disruption, difficulty, hardship. These things don't automatically grow our faith. They don't. In fact, you know this, pain, disruption, hardship, difficulty, a lot of times will push people away from faith. They have the exact opposite effect. How is it that for some It can strengthen their faith and for others, it'll push them away. It's our choice. We choose. What are we gonna do with the disruption? What are you gonna do with this disruption in your life? This job loss or maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe someone's sick. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you've lost a job. What are you gonna do with that? That is your choice. Will you let God take you from the deal-making faith to trusting faith to complete faith? As your pastor, I'm trying to let that take place in my life. I hope that you will let it take place in yours. As we wrap up today, some of you need to get in the game. You just, this whole thing called faith, you need to to opt in. And you're out right now and you want to get in and you know you need to get in. You know you need to have a relationship with God. Guess what? God has made it so simple. Not easy, but simple. You need to reach out to Christ and ask him to forgive your sins. Sin has separated us from God. It's, it's basically put a, a wall between us. It began in the Garden of Eden, and it's just gone down from human to human, human human, down to you and down to me. We're born into this world separated from God. But that's not God's original plan. He wants to be in a relationship with us. So what did he do? 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 tells us, God showed how much he loved us, meaning he wants to be with us. He wants to be in a relationship with us by sending his one and only son into this world that we might have eternal life through him. What does that mean, eternal life? Well, yes, it means going to heaven after this life, but it also means life with God right now, life in a relationship with Jesus, where you sense him and you talk with him and he talks with you and he fills your heart with peace and joy, and he gives you strength for life right now And it goes on after this life and goes on forever you can have eternal life through Jesus Christ if you put your trust in him he died on the cross to wipe away the curse of sin that was held against creation held against humanity so that you can be reconciled to God will you trust him today he already paid the price all you have to do is reach out to him ask him to forgive you of your sins and become his child today I'm going to say a couple of words, a couple of words of prayer. You could take these words, make them your own words, and put your faith in Christ today. You'll become his child. Will you pray with me? Just say these words Dear Jesus, I reach out to you today. I don't have all the answers, a lot of questions, but I do have faith. So I reach out to you today. I believe, Jesus, that you died for my sin. You paid the penalty to wash away all my wrongdoing, my lies, my selfishness, my cheating. I ask you right now to cleanse it, to wash my soul, to wipe it away, to forgive me, I ask you to be my savior. I put my trust in you. I put my hope in you. I ask you to make me your child. And from this day forward, strengthen my faith, deepen my faith. Teach me to allow disruptions, to grow my faith. Help me to love you, serve you, and honor you with my life. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, our church collectively in all of our homes would love to celebrate with you. I know they're clapping and they're celebrating because the Bible says when one person decides to put their faith in Christ, there is rejoicing in heaven. If you just did that, we would love to put a gift in your hands. It's a simple gift. It's a little box that we created called our saved box. Inside this box, there is a Bible, a New Testament with a reading plan inside to help you begin reading through the scriptures so that you can hear God's voice. Also, a little information in here on how to get connected to our church, taking your next steps on baptism or getting in a small group. So, you want to check that out. There's also a little cup, a coffee cup in here, as a gift from us to you, just to say congratulations. So, if you'd like this box, if you trusted in Christ today, if you became a Christ follower, check out your phone, text the word saved to 65248. Let us know that you put your faith in Christ. We will send one of those one of those boxes to you in the mail. Again, I want to celebrate what God is doing here, church. God is on the move. We have last week we saw 96 people put their faith in Christ. In one week on Easter weekend, God is working powerfully. People are more aware spiritually now because of everything that's going on in our world with this coronavirus. They're, they're opening up spiritually. I want to encourage you. Next week, invite your friends to tune in to YouTube, to tune in to this channel. Whether you're watching on Facebook or whatever, wherever you're watching, invite them to join you. They need hope, they need forgiveness, they need understanding and clarity about life. Help them to join in and our discussion on disruption. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you so much for the story of Job. It's a tough story. It's a hard story. You do allow pain. You do allow lots of pain and disruption for now. But you don't waste it. You have a purpose behind it. You wanna teach us about yourself. You wanna deepen our faith. You wanna grow our faith. Help us to to make the choice to work with you and allow the, the disruptions in our life to grow us in a deeper understanding of who you are, in a deeper trust in who you are. A complete faith. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to hand things off right now to our team for the post show. God bless you guys. Invite your friends to tune in next week.